Triskelion 20, The Crowning of the Usurper Monarch. The sizzling burnt flesh from sudden plasma fire. The spray of blood. Shock split me in two for a moment. Time slowed to a crawl. I, Vendelorata the spectator, the bemused fool, impossibly pondering how this violence came to be. My mind uselessly somersaulted back eons, with planet to cause slightly heavier gravity than Earth or Vloom, and our virulent predatory prey matrix. Recall ended up bulkier, stronger, and more bloodthirst than either humans or woven. Casinogenesis allowed the creation of myself and my founder siblings, larger in every way, many times stronger, faster than the other Saurian casts. So when I say that no one had time to stop my brother's doppelganger, I meant it was all over in a blink of a nictitating eyelid. His tail whipped out, breaking her arm in two. She dropped instantly, and in my self-imposed slow motion, my mind and my flourish's alien intelligence understood what my eyes were seeing as shock rippled through the bejeweled crowd around me. A clone of my brother Gura Babadarum had rushed from a side entrance to the stage where another doppelganger, this time of my mother Thora, was about to announce, presumably, the start of the Sixth Dynasty on a dais in front of a crowd of 3,000 made up of a mixing bowl of the Recall Noblesse Oblige, the Intelligentsia, the Upper Crust, Triskelion Diplomats, but mostly a multi-generational clot of snouts that were permanently plunged into the Church Universalis trough. This bloody show was for their benefit and must have been purposed to upend the current order. This fake Gurababadarum tail-whipped the fake Queen Thura then swung his equally fake staff decantanta high over his head and slammed the metal heel down on the imposter queen mother's head. An explosion at the point of impact fried the splattering flesh into burning gobs that hurtled about the room and left my tympanum ringing and conveniently fried any forensic evidence. As I clutched my head in pain, I alone knew this coup d'etat by Gora was an outrageous sham, a staged hoax. Thorough's four royal bodyguards took aim with mostly ceremonial blaster sticks. More than one was trembling. Poor children. They had likely never seen combat, and were here as favored sons of powerful houses. They stared wide-eyed at the scorched onyx dais. Plasma pistols came out from the personal bodyguards scattered around the grand ballroom. Mercs had been on paycheck alert for the various glitterati they served. Some must have been the real deal. Three or four small bolts of plasma streaked toward the false Gura as tables were upturned and various clientele were shoved forcibly on the ground behind them. The fake Decantanta staff had some real tech embedded in it as it emitted an optic distortion field causing several of the mercenary shots to go wide of their intended mark. <laughs> One lucky burst of plasma sizzled a hole in the Gora doppelganger. Amazingly, it stumbled forward. An improved clone? Where had this technology come from? No screams from the crowd, not yet. 
This had all started three short breaths ago. Shock ruled all the untrained, and the imposter queen mother had never had time to scream. I was still stuck in an observer state, paralyzed, as new data changed my landscape. Move, move, move. I'm a founder by the seven burning hells. I am Fendelarata of the Crimson Flourish, one of the twelve founders of the sixth dynasty. I refuse to die here. At least not without a fight. Well, flight would be better. The grand ballroom would soon be a death trap, with a massive glitterati stampeding toward the azure doors. I spoke to the gem lattice persicom my red flourish pressed against my throat. Velatara, bring round the needler jump ship. I may need to get out of here fast. Yes. Yes, closest exit to my location. I didn't know if I would need a ride all the way off planet. But this bloody coup by the Cellarthro was unprecedented. The Cellarthro had never shown a capacity for cloning Recall, or any Triskelion species. My flourish, the living alien I wore that masqueraded as my clothing, my famous red gown, was informing me through my heads-up display eye coatings and tympanum coatings. Vandalorata, I am tapping into untranslatable broadcasts on an atypical wavelength. As of yet, I cannot assemble it. Ten of 5,031 variables matched. Retrieving matching data from Triskelion species has failed. Accessing personal archives. At any other time, I would drop everything for a chance to investigate someone broadcasting, possibly using Forerunner technology. That was how I had joined with Flourish. What everyone mistakenly thought was simply my red dress was a sentient being whom I wore, famous and hidden in the open. The Flourish was an obscure living alien technology. She flowed about me more freely than any inanimate silky red dress. She had floated on methane clouds in a calm stratum larger than Taka itself, a stratum stable for millennia that had birthed an alien ecosystem. Her race had lived when our star was nothing but a congealing cloud of gas and dust. I had just watched an image of my mother explode across the auditorium. So, Flourish's remarks barely registered. I was focused on the phony Gurababadurum clutching his burning entrails as he died for the rear exit. How did I know the Queen Mother and Gura on the Onyx Dais were phonies? because Flourish had completely hacked the actual Decantanta staff upon Gura's return from Salacris. I watched through Decantanta's sensors as my brother had discovered the nest of infested Arthro with their weird clone cocoons stuck to the cavern walls below us. I had watched Gura confront what was left of my real mother. I had heard her final words to her son, urging him to run. I was still reeling from that shock when the clone Gura appeared and executed the clone Thura. From the gaping wound on the copy, he was not a mechanical doll, but a flesh-and-blood copy. Even now I spectated through my heads-up display, a sub-micron clear coating on my left eye. The real Gura Baba Durum was releasing mechanical razor spiders from his staff to slow down infested recall guards, pursuing his guard, Chirondra, and him. Maybe in all this chaos was my chance. A holographic keypad appeared via my right eye HUD coating. I typed while dodging the table being flipped by the sallow sight diplomat seated to my left, 
He was making an impromptu barrier to hide behind. I tapped code as Flourish maintained personal space for me. Through Flourish, I messaged Gura's Decantata. Now, leveraging Decantata's command structure, I had access to reroute a couple of the mechanical spiders. More might endanger my brother's escape. I masked their telemetry from reaching any HUD but the one destined for my flourish. My HUD displayed 23 of 5031 alien transmission variables matched. Code birthing on the fly to grab the razor spiders had been a great distraction. I had not been close to my mother, well, ever, but she was a huge invisible presence in all of our lives and for all recall. How had the cell Arthro War Machine gone from wrecking the planet Salacris to a politically pinpoint accurate coup d'etat? It doesn't fit. Why not simply overrun us? I needed to get out of the Palladium fast before more unexpected violence broke out. All political cards had been flung into the air. I'd not be surprised to find a faction attempting a royal purging. Media clowns tumbled and flipped and pranced through the halls, ghoulishly looking to interview witnesses to the assassination of the Queen Mother of the Recall Founders, even as her stump was still smoking on stage. I could hear my brother, Dura Rambar, bleat to Jester Simtar. Gura has lost his mind. He must have been infested on Colony Salacris. The Presidium needs to join my troops in the streets so I can establish order. Dura Rambar pushed back Clown Simtar and strode toward the raised onyx dais. Of course, he thought this was the actual corpse of our mother. Queen Thoris should have been so lucky to have such a clean death. I had spied her through Gura's decantata. She had cried out to Gura before the bulgy parasites had wrapped around her throat. Palace guards, recall psychs and drones and physics in their ceremonial guard robes, rushed toward the dais from their positions equispaced against the outer walls. The confusion, the shouting that now started to break out, all sent an emotional message to my brain. The world as I knew it was over. These guests, the powerful, had lost so much control that they could no longer secure the Azura Grand Ballroom, the bureaucratic seat of Church Universalis. The blue-stained marble floors and walls were sculpted with computer-controlled algae frescoes that enacted scenes from our history in this aerodrome-sized ballroom. The ceiling glittered like the night sky in shimmering shades of violet. What should have been a dream, a march to glory for the recall, had become a blood-soaked nightmare. More tables were flipped as people sought cover. The 3,000 glitterati who had gathered to hear Queen Thora's announcement cowered, stood dazed, or ran for the exits now. I alone had puzzle pieces, even if I couldn't fit them together yet. But even if I could, I had no army like Dora Rambar. There must be some way to use this information to save some of us from my mother's fate. It was easy to pick up my siblings in the crowd. We were a head taller even than drones. When Gura surfaced, he would be killed on sight by the guards. Gur and Chiron, now fleeing up the underground chambers beneath the Palladium, have no way of knowing about the clone assassin. I'd have to warn them. My HUD displayed 67 of 5,031 alien transmission variables matched. Terraster, one of my brothers, was half stumbling and pushing through the crowd toward me. Amazing. In normal times, none of my siblings were dumb enough to come in range of my red flourish. They all suspected there was something strange about my red dress, but strange times made for strange opportunity. Terraster was dull and corporate. 
though he would have made a fine peacetime ruler. Draster grabbed me by my shoulders. His caviar breath buffeted me as he sprayed at me. By the seven heavens, Gura has gone insane. We must consolidate the troops. Dura Rambar cannot be allowed to form a private militia. Where is the honor guard, the Praetorian? We need to get a message of unity out, Fen. He nodded mostly to himself as he rambled. Yes, you and I. We need to get a report out through the jesters. The market databases need to be updated with a message of unity. Tarasta and Fendelarata have united. Are you with me, Fen? Are you with me? Goodness, he was a ball of energy and willpower, all steamed up, just like a media jester. I waved one over as I said, Of course. But are you certain that was Gora? I might as well start trying to plant doubts. My mind was barely on this conversation. I was walking through the information from Gura's decantata while guiding the two razor spiders toward the underground cell arthro nest. As Flourish was still flashing, no lock, no key, but now my HUD displayed 171 of 5,031 alien transmission variables matched. Huh. The reality of a cell arthro nest below the palladium was horrific, the implications worse. The media jester, a skinny recall physic, yet somehow with a paunch, held a mic in his spindly arm. Great purple gossamer ribbons were looped about his arms and jangled as he moved. Media jesters reported the goings-on in formal and informal events. Their tumbling and their colorful attire often earned them the name of media clowns. Their antics were meant to prevent physical altercations that might otherwise break out. They were certainly outmatched by today's catastrophe. Media jester Simtar jangled a bit more and finished shoving a microphone in my face. Simtar was no dummy. I rarely, if ever, spoke to the clownage, so I was a much bigger scoop than my brother Terastar, who endlessly declaimed to panels of clowns on holovids. Terastar had always attempted to create the illusion of a stable, orderly government and marketplace. Well, good luck this time, brother. I gently pushed the interviewer from me and to Terastar, who immediately began blustering about how the guard would quickly restore order, yada, yada, yada. Simtar was nodding his head in agreement. It was as if they both read from the exact same script. Maybe they had. My brother, Durarambar, was eyeing Terastor and I from the stage. He had his wild-eyed camping followers filling up the streets. No doubt the sight of us together set his mind a-twirling. I don't care what he thought. It was time for me to leave. I spoke in our family's private language, dubbed Crypto-Founder. Terastor would understand, no one else except my flourish. Blend in, disappear, danger. Hopefully, Terastor would take the command to my crimson flourish as a hint for his own safety. I doubt it, though. All his posture was of a recall trying to take command of a situation. But this was out of control, and I knew no one was in a mood to listen to the truth. The truth was too insane to be believed. Crimson Flourish began taking the colors of those around it and released subharmonics that gently urged people to turn away. Terastor, at least, had the good taste not to notice or give me away as I backed up. My HUD displayed 751 of 5,031 alien transmission variables matched. The Praetorian Guard marched double time into the auditorium with meter-length black plasma rifles in their left claws. Tubes ran to the mixing tanks on their backs. Plasma was definitely not a crowd control device. 
These military drones in physics were well-conditioned and armored. My red flourish was projecting micrometer sensory filaments into the room for triangulating measurements and feeding the results into my heads-up display coatings. The guard was infected. The ammonia parts per million was skyrocketing, which meant they were more than just worm heads getting high. These were fully infected hosts for the cell arthro, and they had enough firepower to cremate all 3,000 of us. I started making my way to the outside of the auditorium. Now that I knew, I could tell the guardsmen were stiff and dull-eyed. I had not prepared for societal collapse. I was not Gura, walking around with the equivalent of a radium bomb in his hands. I had nothing on me to take out the Praetorian Guard. I finally reached the back granite and marble walls in this ancient palace ballroom. My crimson flourish matched the granite perfectly and slipped the veil over me. Her flesh slipping from its facade of red silk to cool granite, even to match the patterns in the stone and mortar work. Jestar Simtar, who had been trying to follow me, was now bobbing about looking for me while he was frantically pinned by a wall of sonic blather from Terastor. I watched in horror as the guards began swiveling their rifle barrels toward the crowd. Our Praetorian guard opened fire on their own people. No. It was in the cell Arthro who made their hosts open fire on us. Terastor's head burst into a fine cloud of ash. The plasma left a black scar on the far side of the marble wall. The blood from his neck burst through the seared flesh and sprayed Simtar, who kept editorializing into his talking stick. Shut up, you damn fool, shut up! Hot tears ran down my scales. Flourish stiffened to cover my shaking and released countersonics to muffle my sobs. Why did we have to be founders? Our gigantic size made us such easy targets. Thorastor may have been an unimaginative clod, but he cared. He had a family. Damn it. I was his family. And I'd never be able to tease him again about how boring he was. When in fact, being boring and rock steady made him one of the really good ones got to pull it together, but I can't. I'm ashamed to admit that only fear for my life drove me forward. Dora Rambar got it in the back as he approached the dais. I slowly sidled to the exit, slow enough that I hoped I would not attract a hunter's gaze. The Praetorian Guard was clearly targeting royals, but Dora Rambar's nanomachines were already at work. He tumbled off the far side of the stage. Nanobots weren't going to rebuild poor Terastor's head. Terastor, who had toiled to make life better, was killed, while Durarambar, playing in the woods as a merciless fratricidal mercenary, tumbled off the stage, still alive. I saw her. I don't know if it was her desperate eye staring past me seeking an escape, or just chance, as my flourish and I were doing environment scans as I kept sidling toward the massive exit doors. Tressa Latico was hiding behind an overturned table, leaning against a set of chairs. Her fat founder's tail was sticking out into open space. I would have to expose myself to get to her. It was only a matter of moments before that twitching tail of hers would be sighted by a Praetorian plasma rifle. I wasn't going to lose another. Flargan hell. At least I cursed under my breath. My flourish linked to whatever IO, short for Artificial Intelligence Input-Output, she was wearing and I whispered across cyberspace to her, stay there, I'm coming to get you. Now that we had a link, I fed her my camouflage information. 
Her contact HUD would outline my silhouette for her. Tress, impulsive and brilliant, didn't have the best infotech, but she could make corporate and governmental systems dance to her tune. Unfortunately, Tress shot toward me at a run, triggering a predator response from any hostile in the room. Fortunately, for the moment, the Praetorian Guard was focused firing on the dais. Only one of Thor's ceremonial guard was left. I watched as the boy, barely out of Casagenesis, was seared in half. They immediately switched to targeting Dora Rambar's legs as he hit the onyx floor with a thud. His right kneecap disintegrated, engulfed in a plasma ball. They fired as one. They moved as one. Hive mind. They swarmed over Dura. As they advanced, fire was returned from the crowd. Apparently, not only Dora Rambar, but some of his followers, drones, psychs, and physics, had snuck in weapons. Had they been planning their own coup d'etat? Plasma weapons' burst of light seemed to bounce back and forth, but there was no bouncing. Flesh burst of fire struck by plasma that plunged a closed, fist-sized hole through the bodies of whomever they struck. Plasma burst scorched the marble walls. There were groans and cries now. Maybe twenty breaths had passed since the play on the stage had occurred. Bright flames licked the heavy maroon stage curtains that lined the dais. Billowing black smoke drifted above the hall. I could feel the heat all the way on the other side of the grand ballroom. The bitter smell that settled on my tongue. The light gray smoke from dead and dying recall. I could use this smoke to cover my exit. My stomach dropped. My inner jaws locked down the rising bile. I, I don't want to think like that, but my brain kept coldly calculating. The fake Gura had escaped, and Dura Rambar was being wrestled to the ground. Something was being put on him, some sort of mask. I couldn't make it out. A Praetorian guard got between Tress and I. His eyes swept past me and straight on Tress. Well, her button tail was still sticking out past the overturned table. My flourish in adaptive mode flipped out a microfilament. I knew what she was trying. This was risky. The flourish's muscle control of individual filaments relied on external pushes from harmonic engines embedded within her alien flesh. The engines produced muscle-like contractions, pulls and pushes on the twined filaments. The plasma rifle swung toward Tresolatica's center of mass. The filaments shot over his head and then Flourish drew them down and back toward me, slicing through his skull and half his neck. He tumbled to the ground as half his skull slipped off of him and crashed to the floor. My sister would live. Thank you, Flourish. Across my heads-up display, letters spelled out, I grieve with you, for an instant, then flickered away to be replaced in the next instant with 1,831 of 5,031 alien transmission variables matched. Cell arthro worms spilled out of the Praetorian Guard's skull, wriggling and leaping about, some futilely trying to suture his sliced head back together. Overhead wire cameras were catching it all, as well as Simtar, who hadn't left, still narrating, covered red in Terastor's blood. I had to give it to him. He had the impervious, oblivious, cast-iron gut of the professional jester. I commanded Flourish to scoop up and contain some worms within one of her folds. Now that I had a sample, that freed up the razor spiders. I transferred control of them directly to Flourish and let them descend into the tunnels below to do some snooping. I grabbed Tress and pulled her into the adaptive folds of Flourish, being careful to keep the cell arthro sample isolated. Oh, thank God you are here, Fen. She started weeping. 
Tress had always acted like my younger sister, though we were the same age. A tactic that she knew always worked on me. The familiar social patterns were somehow extremely comforting. The table Tress had been hiding behind exploded. We were blown back by the concussion and debris. Flourish stiffened to bear the brunt of the impact, but we were still thrown back three meters with my tympanum ringing again. I was going to try to get us out to the street. Brother Girl was going to need the needler jump ship more than I. I won't apologize for loving my brother. He wouldn't believe it if he heard me say it, but it was true. I wanted to give him a chance. Besides, I didn't want the Decantanta falling into the hands of the Selarthro. Gura needed to escape until we could expose this. Flourish expanded like a gossamer tent, only a slight shimmer in the air before settling an exterior fold onto both Tress and I, covering Tress now in camouflage. Tress, larger than me at almost three meters, but gangly, she had a lot of psych cast in her, put her claw on my shoulder and gave me a gentle, silent squeeze. It's okay, I sent as text to her heads-up display. We'll make it. Crowds rushed out using a herd strategy. We slipped past the thankfully humongous 40-meter-wide sliding azure doors from the grand ballroom to the antechamber. The exit was on the far side. I could see the service entrance Gura and Chiron were heading toward as they came up from the underground tunnels. Flourish was telling me not to lower my veil. Airborne parasites too small for the naked eye were getting scorched, trying to penetrate Flourish's fabric. I smelled thick, acrid smoke. Some of the chairs were being used as bonfire. Flourish had not yet gone into combat mode, so I didn't think we were in imminent danger other than from snipers. News casts started to appear across my right eye heads-up display coating. I read a report of a flash mob forming in the avenue leading up to the Palladium, even as I watched it with my own eyes through the anteroom windows. My heads-up display updated again. 3,041 of 5,031 alien transmission variables matched. Tress grumbled at me. Let me out of this thing, and she pushed against the fabric. Flourish allowed her alien skin to stretch, but did not release Tress. Tress looked panicky. Bug eyes and some saliva bubbled up from her inner jaws, which were clacking wildly as she spoke. I'll beam my way out. I'm not joking. Sure enough, she had pulled a pistol from a silver clutch she wore. Of course she got stealth tech built into her pistol to get around the generic sensors and searches. Easy, Tress, I said. Does your IO have access to the Dark Infinite? Tress replied, of course not. The provisioners were suppressed for the event. Let me out of this thing. Well, one more credit for Flourish. She had a longer reach even than Tress's gadgetry. I whispered, armed partisans are starting to gather. Infoleaks state that Dura Rambar has made a claim to the throne, and many bishops have broken to support him. That does not mesh with what we just saw, Tress. Modified news of what just happened is all over the Dark Infinite, along with manufactured holovids from several angles. The Praetorian, if you hadn't noticed, opened fire on the crowd. I doubt you'll be seeing that on the holovids. Terastors? Oh, okay. I heard a breath catch in her throat as her inner jaws spasmed again. Didn't want to say it any more than she wanted to hear it. She clung closer to me and Flourish more easily enfolded us. Flourish adjusted to the anteroom frescoes and mosaics. 
She told me to bend down. Most of the frescoes started at about a meter height. The baseboard, and up to that meter, was a simple gray utilitarian marble. We kept sidling toward the exit and crouching along the wall, silently gray, like fog rolling slowly through and out the anteroom. And after a few minutes, we were out the doors on the wide palladium lawn, littered with rowdy recall, chanting, shouting, some loudly praying and chanting, some standing eerily silent in the crowds. Two breaths after we stepped outside, Tresla stated, My ship is on the way. Short of a Takam military patrol, I interrupted her as she was speaking too loudly. Okay, Tress, we're still targets as far as I know. We were the last two founders in the hall. Let's move out here slowly and let Flourish improve our camouflage. We were on the spongy, manicured azure grass to the side of the walkway and slowly easing farther onto the lawn. I took the momentary lack of violence to look over the possible future combatants. About a quarter of the people grinned stupidly, displaying long jaws of teeth, some with tongues slopped out to the side. It was the look of majorly stoned worm heads that have just swallowed a neutered arthroworm for pleasure. They were just grooving to the brain chemistry in their own heads and waiting, wobbly, grinning, and glassy-eyed. The more active citizens hadn't noticed how many there were and how very stoned they were. The prayers, chanters, and shouters were instinctively giving the drooling worm heads a wide berth on the lawn and cobblestone walkway. A number of private transports, many dilapidated, had pulled up onto the lawn. Obviously, citizens had been ported in to stoke the chaos, I suppose. Durarambar partisans, perhaps. What would they do if they found out he was in custody, and in custody of the Cell Arthro infected Praetorian guards? This was beyond explosive, or maybe the Cell Arthro had founder clones prepped for all of us. After a few moments, Tress and I were thankfully blue on blue on a lonely stretch of lawn. How long? I asked her. We were far enough from the crowd that we could speak normally. Tress said, maybe 15 minutes? Pilots pushing through airspace clearance. Really, I said, you're obeying traffic laws at a time like this? I'm not a rebel, then. I leave that to maniacs like you and Dora Rambar, or fanatics like Gura. I decided not to argue with the person who was giving me my ride out of here. I busied myself checking in on Decantanta. Gura and Chiron were now within standard communications range, so I was ready to give them their lifeline. They had left the Cell Arthro Cavern and were only a few hundred meters away, but I had no desire to associate directly with the most wanted fugitive on the planet. They still did not know about the assassination or the clone Gura. Decantanta registered they were clean of parasites. Good. I sub-vocalized into Flourish's microphone. You are lucky they weren't expecting you. You! I heard Chiron hiss over the comlink. Where in the seven hells did you send us? What do you know, Fen? I responded, what do you know? I have plenty to share and not much time to share it. You need to move. Don't let yourself be seen. You and Gura have orders of seizure on you as well as excommunication. You have really stuck your hand in a pit of vipers. I'm feeding you a new pathway out. Establishing a command link with Decantanta, will you allow it? Of course, I established command over Decantanta some weeks ago, but 
Let's publicly respect boundaries and leave Gora thinking he was in charge. Yes, Gora's voice came over easily enough, so now I could act with Deccan Tanta openly. Though Gora wasn't dumb, I'm sure he suspected my control over his staff. I sub-vocalized in Crypto Founder for Gura, too soft for Tress to eavesdrop, and I wanted Gura to control his own flow of info with Chiron. Secure channel established. I'm also in the palace infonet. We have to get you off-world. You can't trust your own contacts anymore. They will be rounded up. I have a scrubbed jump jet waiting for you. Follow the bouncing ball. Flourish coded the ball directly into their heads-up display since we had an authorized channel now. Why were they still standing there like a couple of mannequins? I said, you don't have time. You don't have time. Follow the ball. That infested Praetorian guard is probably done with Dura by now. Ah, uh, now I get it. Chiron had tapped the palace infinite and had seen the whole of it of the fake Gura. I overheard Gura denying involvement with the assassination. Trying to get them moving, I said, no, I was there. I know it wasn't you, but what could I do? The room had a thousand biosensors and all hooked up to public networks. Even your Deccan Tanta was validated. They were still standing there. I almost shouted, keep watching the feed, but keep moving. I knew what they were seeing. I had lived it. A pressurized fusion bomb, no queen mother, no evidence. I watched as the golem Gura, Gura started to object to me. If I can find... I had no time for him to come to grips with being a fugitive or he was going to go from fugitive to prisoner to martyr. Don't be dense, I interrupted him. Whatever that thing was, it was vaporized the moment it left the public eye. The only thing keeping you free is that there's no way anyone could figure you'd be on this side of the palace coming up from that service entrance. I asked Tress how it was going with her ship. She had been communicating with air control, but her speech was scrambled. Some sort of directional scrambler, some gadget of Tress's. She briefly swiveled her head to me and smirked. Still using CryptoFounder? Are you still a child? As she tilted her head back to her conversation, her words garbled again. She just nodded curtly at me and kept speaking. I guess every founder had their own tricks. I watched through Gura's heads-up display via Decantanta, via Flourish. Gura was running toward the Needler jump jet and my guards. I said to Gura, don't hurt them, they're mine. It's a one-way trip. Pre-programmed, Gura. I know you're innocent, but I can't take the chance of being publicly associated with a royal matricide. This ship is untraceable and built for one run before all parts begin identification burnout, which will also render the ship non-functional. It will get you to the space station fortitude. Our brother, Aramaranther, will take you as stowaways. You know you are out of contention, of course, and any service recall who recognizes you will kill you. Brother, I think this is the end of being a founder for you, at least officially. I would miss Gura, but maybe he was getting the better deal after all. Infonet was stating conflagrations in every major city, and major full-blown cell arthro infestations. I'd miss Torastor. I'd miss Durarambar. I'd miss my mother. An evil hour for all recall. My heads-up display stated 4,154 of 5,031 alien transmission variables matched. In moments, Flourish would be able to access that alien transmission. Thank you, Fen-Fen. 
I heard Gura say over the comm. Really, I sort of hated that redundant nickname. But didn't have the heart to tell him right now. I only prayed for his safety. Gora had to get out of here, I said. Don't thank me. You were outplayed and manipulated. I think we all were, or at least most of us. Dora was out of position, and Aramaranther was still off-planet. As for the rest, who knows where their allegiances lay. And now? Now you may have war, but not the one you wanted. Homeworld is about to burn. Fen-Fen, it was the Selarthrog. They were parasites. They were parasites underneath the palace. Mother herself. I knew that already from spying through Decantanta, but I said, I'm sure I believe you, Gura. And I'm sure that's a problem. But Dura Rambar has already declared himself the legitimate heir, and several bishops have broken ranks to support him. If the cell wanted to make us easy to harvest, I can't imagine a better way to do it. You kept saying how much worse Salacris was by being there. Homeworld. I'll recall Homeworld, girl. I closed off the communication. Tress said, My ship is inbound. The remaining two razor spiders were now under the direct control of Flourish. I ordered them to descend. I want to get out of here, Tress bluntly stated. I asked, hopefully, can your ship open fire on the Palladium? Tress exclaimed, What? Let me out of this crazy dress you had me swaddled up in. You are a maniac, just like Gura. Sister, sister, Tress struggled against the fabric. Flourish, of course, had no problem stretching and holding her. I didn't want to use force here. I needed Tress. She had equipment and skills I didn't, and I think I would need in the very near future. Not the least of which was a ride out of this war zone. My heads-up display stated... 5031 of 5031 alien transmission variables matched. Warning. Warning. Prepare for incoming transmission. Flourish stated, Fendularata, a cyberspace-like continuum, many times more dense, analogous to untranslatable, from pre-triskelion untranslatable. Data density allows unfolding to synthesize environment and responses from several layers of consciousness. Increased data density allows unfolding to synthesize environment and responses from several layers of consciousness, unlike normal cyberspace. There is a high risk of permanent chemical imbalances rendering psychosis. Recommend we merge to allow me to filter input. Flourish matter-of-factly finished her drastic proposal. Okay, I wasn't ready to fuse with Flourish. Not sure I even comprehend what she meant. All the while, Tress was still tugging at my sleeve. No time, plus a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to communicate with someone unknown, but surely linked somehow to this chaos. I swallowed and locked my inner jaws to keep from biting my tongue. I nodded, which was all the go-ahead Flourish needed. She read my subtlest body language fluently. Flourish extended a filament to my cyberspace neural feed at the base of my skull. Merge sequence begins. Entering multifactorial and cybernetic phasing. Complete. Entering pseudo-cyberspace environment with overlapping synthesis of meta-inputs for harmonic personal communication. Filter is on. You are clear to proceed, Fendelorata. 
I asked Lurish to isolate the communication in its own space for data detonation later if malicious. Flourish replied in my own mind, not through the heads-up display, but as a voice next to my own voice in my head. I shivered at that. Would I ever get her out? Flourish calmly rejected my suggestion. Boundaries are flexible now and not subject to physical media. You are asking me to detonate your brain. I will decline. I felt Tress pulling on my sleeve. I was standing in a snowy valley, now in a whiteout, physically cold with the wind howling. It was all a mental illusion, as if I were behind a veil. I felt Tress tugging at my arm, and I could hear her saying, Let me go! Let me go! The ship will be here any minute! A shadow fell over me. I heard the hum of the muted engines. Tress Latika's yacht had arrived, sleek, triangular, about 200 meters and 100 meters at the deepest part, somewhat cylindrical and currently with a glossy chrome finish. I wasn't going to get my 15 minutes if I wanted that ride. Far below us, the two mechanical razor spiders still had about 300 meters to go to reach the cavern. I ordered Flourish to release Tress. I didn't want to get stuck right next to the infected in a skirmish with militias and have no ride out of here. I needed Tress. I needed her cooperative. That was no lie. She was a gadget goddess, but she had to make the choice to stay with me. She pulled away from me. Flourish read my intent and slipped off her. It looked as if Tress simply passed through a silk curtain. I could see both in reality and an afterimage of her in this weird, isolated cyberspace that was superimposed on my senses. I don't understand. Tress was not plugged into this new space, yet I saw a copy of her in my mind. Give me fifteen minutes, Tress, I pleaded. Her afterimage nodded agreement. Huh. Tress was now exposed on the lawn, separated from Flourish. I had to show some solidarity with her. I let Flourish drop the camouflage and descended back into the traditional red dress configuration, billowing out around my legs. The actual Tress said, why should I put myself at risk, Fen? This is more than just us, Tress. Someone's targeting us, targeting founders. We need information. They killed Terastor. You don't think that was just wild gunplay or friendly fire, do you? The Tress afterimage was sobbing behind the real Tress. Unaware of the weird ghost I saw behind her, Tress said, All the more reason to get out of here. I don't want to end up like that idiot Terastor. Tress held up two clawed fingers. I'll give you 120 seconds. But her afterimage held up three digits. Tress, oblivious to the ghosts I saw, continued, Have your weird alien wearable reach out to whatever it is you're trying to infiltrate. If your crimson flourish is so great, that should be long enough. And Fendlerata, she paused and gave me a hard stare to let me know her serious intent. If my pilot sees incoming, I'm leaving. The chrome ship set down on the lawn with barely a breeze and a hum. People were gawking, but not approaching the yacht. Tress ascended the gangway and disappeared into the safety of her ship. The razor spider's eight legs, stilt-like, carried them to the bottom of the subterranean passage far beneath me. The yacht faded from view. I was blind or thrust into pitch as if the mental sight I was hooked into overpowered the natural signal of my senses into my brain. Flourish stated, 
connection to closed data space established, linking to your cyberjack 100%. I felt Flourish sinuously wrap around me as she undulated to the jack at the back of my neck. I started to walk to the gangway. I wanted to be as close as possible if the seven hells erupted. I stopped. In the pitch black, I quickly lost my sense of direction. I was in a data space, but it wasn't general cyberspace. There was no free verse here, no lights indicating others. Worse, I had no avatar here, no sense of breathing, no pulse of my blood, no wind, no sun, no grass at my feet. My instinct screamed at my brain that it was time to sleep. I drifted into a quasi-dream state. Tress's chrome triangular ship buzzed across my mind over and over again. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. I feared if it was taking off in reality, and this was some part of my mind registering something in the real world. Or was it just fear I would be left behind? Gura Babadarum's eyeball popped right up close to me. I reflexively tried to jump back, forgetting that I was utterly disembodied, but the shock made the ghost eye wink out. I hated drugs. I loved facts, cold facts, remote facts. Everything about today took me where I did not want to go. Flourish spoke coolly in the cyber darkness, cool like I had always wanted to be, instead of constantly searching frantically for the next pieces of the puzzles in my life. Flurry said, Arrival. My silhouette in the dark data space was wrapped in the luxurious floods of the starlit silky red dress that Flourish preferred to mimic when I wore her. I was nowhere to be found, an invisible ghost wrapped in red silk, but Flourish's presence gave my imagination something solid to perch upon. More, a cool breeze, a calm, a stillness, a comforting sense of another. Not surprisingly, the warmth of caring from her enveloped me. She said, Fendelarata, please be careful with your thoughts. Data space contains multiple levels of conscious interaction, wider fields of input than current Triskelion cyberspace. I asked, wider than you can handle? No response. Had I, did I just insult her? The Thura who Gura saw when he was in the subterranean levels appeared in this blank space. My mother, strangled by massive pulpy bulgy worms and wrapped in some web-like excretion. The silken scar-like tissue was pale like human flesh, spackled over her Rakalian scales from her waist to her neck. Her eyes were squeezed shut in pain. From a gash in her forehead, an ongoing stream of cell arthro Spindly-like white threads poured from the gash and fell into the nothingness. I burned and flinched. Flourish wrapped herself tightly about me, but it didn't help this time. A wave of hate crashed over me, scorching me. Hate enveloped me. Of course, I hated at times in my life, but not like this. It had so little to do with anger. Rather rage consumed me. It made me shake. Sweat poured from my invisible form, drenching Flourish, weighting her down. She was actually drenched. In this mental space, thoughts had seemingly physical effects. I 
hate hallucinogens. I felt my pulse or a ghost pulse. Heat radiated from me. I had no object for my hate and rage. I worried Flourish would catch fire. Ah, I cried out and tried to clutch my head, but I had no head and no hands to clutch with. I had the burn of humiliation riding alongside the fiery rage and scalding hate all unfocused. Silk shifted from red to a cool blue and covered where my head would be, underneath my scales and muscle and fat. The cool sensation, a soft breeze descended upon my mind, distracted me enough to realize the rage and hate were intensely alien. The heat originated outside me. I could disown it. Some tiny part of me didn't want to. I looked over to see a human head, soft human features, sculpted from the baggy flesh of the giant worm that wrapped around Thora's chest, protruding from the silk. Its trunk looped once around Queen Mother Thora's neck and then stretched two paces toward me, right in front of where my face would be. It pushed a bulbous end that had mottled pale human flesh colors. It stutteringly warbled and ululated at me. In Thura's skeletal left claw, she held a star map prominently thrust toward me, almost identical to Gora's. Surprisingly, I felt no urge to grab it. In fact, I felt Flourish binding my arms. A human face pushed against the bag-like worm in front of my face, like a flat simian face was pushed against a stretched balloon. Such a thing couldn't speak in real life. I felt no breath issue from it though it was a claw's width from my face. A sculpted image protruded from the end of the giant maggoty thing. It had no connection to the lungs. It had no real eyeballs, like an undulating marble statue. It was the source of the fire. Its breath was hate, and it breathed it directly into my face. In this weirdling cyberspace, she spoke in human speech. I apologize. The hive mind of Thora and the Selarthro could not be prepared for. It could only be experienced. Daughter. For a moment I thought my mother was addressing me, but no. The human eyed me, seemingly trying to read my reaction to its words with its dead, bulgy eyes. The distorted human female head paused and then continued, You were her daughter. I am so sorry. She wasn't sorry at all. The human didn't realize, didn't know. It had no idea I could feel her hate, like a blazing fire, searing my scales from my proximity to this human head, and it had no idea. I was the object. The thing wanted me dead. No, that's not right. This thing didn't care if I were alive or dead. Its hate wanted to reach past me to some other object. I was just in the way. The worm grew bigger. The slender ropes of Cell Arthro were no longer streaming from the forehead gash. Queen Mother's forehead drooped as if there were no longer a pretense to pretend Thoreau was alive. The face of my mother now looked like a corpse. Frozen, glassy eyes, unblinking. Still, the worm attached to her neck bobbed up and down excitedly. Yes, dear. I am so sorry for your loss. 
I would have saved her if I could. No, I thought. You hate everything. Does it? Does she even realize she appears as a cell Arthur worm in this mental space? What is this human-worm hybrid I'm seeing here? Flourish whispered in Crypto Founder. She believes you are seeing her as a normal human scientist, and she is cradling your mother gently without any sign of the cell arthro. I am removing the filter that she is attempting to artificially place in this mindscape, so you may properly evaluate. Fedlarata, please agree to my proposal to allow me to begin aggressive counterintelligence mining. Certainly, I replied. I was never so glad for this companion. Flourish wrapped herself about me with a gentle hug. I had the impression I, though ephemeral, stood within a solid bunker. There is a chance your mother can be saved, the hybrid warm human said, and her hate was like a blast furnace now. Had I been alone, I would be ash, blown away, and then I knew I would be subject to this thing's whims. I received the coordinates interfacing with my own databanks as if she were commanding me to come to her. The human-worm hybrid was directing me to the underground cavern, precisely where Gura had seen her. She said, Please, Mother may not have much time left. She is calling for you. Liar. Even were she alive, Thura calling for me, out of all her children? Absurd. The lovely young woman cradling and moaning in pain but alive thorough, juxtaposed with the reality, what I felt was reality, of this thing feeding off my mother's corpse. Flourish spoke. Mining successful. Incoming translation. Lowering amplitude to ease data ingestion and minimize variations in brain chemistry. I heard the human female speak woodenly, as if the words were being ripped out of her body. You will come here. I must not die. If humanity is to live, I must survive. I need a healthy body. This cell arthro-poisoned husk cannot carry my intellect. Her children, yes. You, Fendlerota, are a founder. Immortal like her dear Grand Marshal Gurababadarum. I can adjust for such a body. What the bloated worm head spluttered at me. Come, my dear, come save your mother. Where are you? No, no, don't leave your poor mother to die. Thanks to Flourish, this plea just made me feel sick for the depravity of what it was doing. Flourish stated, I can begin... Infiltration of this consciousness. However, the technology from the star map at its disposal has not been categorized, and her intent is malevolent. I had had enough. I said, no, no, get us out of here. I knew what was going on now. Maybe not precisely, but I knew. Immediately, I was back on the Palladium lawn. Tress's wonderful gangplank gleamed in front of me. People in the crowds, the dumb slack-faced ones, were all directly staring at me. 
amid the hustle and bustle of the crowd, about one in five was simply silently staring at me. My heart froze in my chest. It knows, whatever it was, it knows me, and it knows where I am. They're infested, and she knows me. Those recalled belong to her. Running up the gangway, I listened to another broadcast, received by Flourish. The two razor spiders, near the end of their energy reserves, they had made it to the entranceway, and their camera feeds beheld a nightmare. My brother, my poor, stupid brother. Dura Rambar splayed out on an auto-operating table. Nanite clouds dipped into nutrient cauldrons as they oscillated back and forth, rebuilding from the stumps of his legs. Tress's ship inside was as magnificent as its chrome hull, luxurious and soft with tail hammocks and motorized, computerized lounge chairs, I gladly collapsed. I knew she had a full complement of crowdspheres and tech shops for her gadgetry here. It wouldn't be exactly what I would need, but better than almost anywhere outside my sanctum. Serendipitous. Tress had the best possible ship for me. Well, she was my sister. And better, we had survived. The human female creature hadn't managed to kill us along with Terastor. But poor Dora. Tress, get a message out in CryptoFounder to any other planet bound. Already done, Tress said. I sent a data package Flourish had downloaded for me. Any sibling still into Ka can prepare now. They'll know what's to come. Looking out the plexiluminal starboard view, Tress and I saw billowing smoke from sections in the city. In the far, far distance, a mushroom cloud bloomed. Tress was having a hard time holding it in. She said, News reports. They suspect all the wormheads have turned to fully infested. Cell infected are all over the place. It's... It's... Oh, Fen, it's Salacris all over again. Oh, Taka, Taka. I hugged her. Tress genuinely hugged me back, mostly from need, but genuine. I whispered, hoping to comfort her. It's not over. This is not Salacris. This is Taka. And as I said it, I realized it was true. This is not raw consumption and excretion like Salacris had suffered. Our people were overcome by a planning intelligence. A campaign had been waged against us by someone or something that hated us, that knew us on a personal level. No alien mind here. This was a Triskelion attack that played the Cell Arthro as much as it played us. We can take Takab back, Tress. Tress Latika shivered against me. I had to remember, I alone had the puzzle pieces. I alone had met that mad entity in the cavern, that human thing that bonded and dominated the Cell Arthro. All Tress saw was devastation, but I saw her hands at work. That thing below put our people on a torture rack, and she was not yet done tightening the straps. That blast furnace hate like that, well... I couldn't comprehend it, but whatever it was aimed at wasn't a faceless horde. She needed a victim to scorch, and Salacris had left no victims. Thankfully, Tress interrupted my dark thoughts. Where to now? Hope 
what and her eyes and voice. Brave Tress. We jump, I said. We jump to Aramarantha's fleet to meet up with Gora. I want you to have a chance to dissect that map he's carrying. Tress goggled at me for a second and then nodded to the crew. You heard my sister. Plot a path to jump and get us moving there. Tress's ship was too high class for me to feel any sense of movement, but I knew we were heading away, and I was glad of it. Until we reached the jump point, I could still spy through the razor spiders on the cavern below the Palladium. I hesitated. I had had enough depravity. But this was a final chance at information. A scene from the fourth hell played out in front of my eyes. Automated cutting scalpels peeled back to Rambar's skull. Nails in his skull attached to a metal ring kept his head immobilized. Queen Thora's corpse no longer moved on its own, but worms puppeteered it. And with ropes of flesh, stringy masses of worms, bound together like muscle and bone, and enfolded a star map orb, the worms cracked the orb open at the top seam and placed it next to Dora Rambar's head, while a writhing mass issued like a rope, oozing out the gash in Dora's forehead. The masses of worms are linked between Dora's open skull and the open orb. Something was flowing between all three. A pulsing undulation pushed some substances from Thura's skull to the orb. Thread-like worms bobbed and danced over Dura's head, nudging and moving infinitesimal bits that were too small for the razor spider's sensors to make out. Only one thing was for certain. Dora wasn't Dora anymore. I passed a self-destruct to the razor spiders and severed the link to them. Minutes later, the navigator called over the comm. Prepare for jump. Cryo chambers now prepped for jump. Please secure yourself now. Soothing waters poured over me in the egg-like castle. In a moment, Flourish and I would be frozen and jumping away from the madness of planet Taka. Epilogue. Forty days afterward, orbiting planet Taka on the Universalis Dreadnought, glorious sunrise. Avon's Word 12 was stuck in synchronous orbit, but I must not, could not wait any longer. Every day the headaches worsened. My second in command timidly approached. I was having trouble adjusting to this recall physiology. The restraint of my passions was almost impossibly difficult, particularly when my every action was now law. This physiology was so different from the bat bodies I had grown on the Citadel. Everything around me seemed to be made of tissue paper. The drone skull I smashed last week had left him dying if not for the medical bay in this dreadnought. The two-part concoction, pleasure drug to hive mine, had made the chaos necessary to acquire materials, bind a founder in the heart of Church Universalis. A crude hard mind, but enough to create the panic that allowed my Reichstag fire. How all his efforts against the cell I control always resulted in immaculate victories and public acclaim. 
I could have even foregone seeding my great awakening. No. And I had gambled all on this throw to claim a founder. Dura. Sometimes I think I can still hear him struggle in my dreams. Eternal youth. Self-healing RNA. Studying Marshal Gura on the Black Citadel for centuries had taught me just how magnificent this founder physiology was. Using the cheap clone mockery of him to murder the exalted Queen Mother, that was more satisfying than anything I had done since coming to Reality Prime. And how the Recall establishment treat these founders, the instinct in them to obey me almost bores me. I am a Roman emperor. I could do anything, be anything. Perhaps I should have left a horse in charge of the Palladia before I left. Well, obviously, a healthy Recall Empire would serve me better than sell Arthro's slaves. I hated the necessity of using worms. The cell would get their turn in the fire. For some reason, I could not tolerate Zero Prime to live. Ironic, isn't it? Stabbing headaches lanced my skull. Every time I thought of her, just the thought of her brought me to my knees, made me heave my guts, turned my mind inside out, put me in murderous frenzies. I must grab Samuel de Griffith's skull in my claws and squeeze. End of Triskelion 20